too, so that your roadmap is connected directly to your revenue acceleration and growth. And that leads to equity returns, right? We work with private equity companies and, you know, the good thing about them is they're just focused on one thing is creating equity returns. And the, you know, as you know, you're in the business, the key drivers for equity returns, you can either um, use debt to create equity returns. If you have a constant growth rate and you can buy it at a low multiple, sell it on, you can, you can have low Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with Jay Hayes. If you didn't catch part one, please please go back and, and hear about Jay's career and specifically how at Thrive they use the Jobs to be Done framework to help their customers. Jay, I think my next question that I'd love to hear more about is when you think about this idea and again back to the cliche of people don't want a quarter inch drill they want a quarter inch hole right there's a lot of people that claim to recognize that and they talk about jobs to be done but when you look at their results they're really just pushing product would they just put window dressing on it this is my observation I don't know if you feel differently but when you think about what you've done differently to to understand the nuances, to internalize it to the level that, you know, these big giant corporations around the world want to hire you guys to come help them with it. And, you know, the Viacoms and Oracles and Twitters of the world see you as having such a level of mastery that they think you're ne- they need your outside help to come help them make decisions. What do you think you've done differently than other people who profess to know the methodology or use the methodology to reach the level you've reached? That's a great question. I think the answer is that we really try to make jobs to be done something that people really can use successfully. And it's we view ourselves as teachers. I mean, we're a software company and we provide, you know, services and training. But what we're really trying to do is help those companies learn how to do this on their own. And if they can do it on their own, great. You know, we have a software tool that'll help them and they can never talk to us and they do it on their own or use our tool. You know, we're trying to be very, very helpful to them. And I think that's the most important part. You know, we like using this music uh, metaphor all the time. It's like we invented electric guitar and we need to teach people music theory but ultimately, they want to play songs. <laughs> no one no one wants to sit around thinking about jobs theory, right? They want to build products. That's the song. And they want to have successful products. They want to have hit songs to kill that metaphor. So we, that's what we really view ourselves as, is we're helping teach them in a way that helps make them successful. You know, We really want the team members at any company that we work with to be successful. And companies are under, you know, an enormous amount of pressure. Competitive, you know, markets are more competitive than they've ever been today. Companies are falling off the Fortune 500 faster than ever before. You know, we see this all the time, just in our lifetimes, right? I mean, huge brands like Encyclopedia Britannica, Kodak, you know, BlackBerry, they're just, they've gone away, right? It, it's inconceivable. I mean, I'm, I'm revealing my age, but, you know, Kodak was like the brand for film and for sharing memories, right? And they were, you know, a huge company back in the 80s when I was growing up. And now 
they went bankrupt, right? And not only are they bankrupt, but they they missed the opportunity for sharing memories online, which generated trillion dollar companies. You know, obviously, you know, Facebook, the entire you know, social networking is about sharing memories and, and other jobs as well. And you could argue that Apple and, you know, smartphones are, are basically sharing memory tools since people take, you know, 500,000 photographs of their kids. You know, that's, we we try to help companies think through those competitive situations and those threats so that they feel confident that the investments they're making in their product roadmaps are going to lead to success. We, we like to summarize this is what's in your product roadmap? Are you, do you have a product motor map that looks like BlackBerry or looks like the iPhone? And how do you know that? And that's really, really the key question, especially for any executive making product roadmap investment decisions. Because remember, people forget BlackBerry's market cap was four times larger than Apple's when the iPhone launched. This is kind of, you know, it's almost impossible to, to rethink this, but that's true. And so, and BlackBerry thought they had a great product roadmap. They were like, keyboards are the latest thing. We're really great and everybody wants keyboards. You know, well, it turns out no one wants a keyboard. They want to get jobs done, right? And, and so they didn't know that. They didn't know that they had enormous risk in their roadmap. And that's ultimately what Jobs We Done is, is it's a risk mitigation system. It helps you evaluate all those investment decisions you're making as a CEO, I mean, essentially a company is a venture capital firm, right? It's making a portfolio of investment decisions in its products, and those are either going to create returns or not. And if they don't, you end up being BlackBerry. If they do, you end up being Apple. So risk mitigation is the, the key to the whole system, and that's where we really try and be helpful to companies. It's just to get them to help think this way. Well, I really liked this description, and, and I'd love to know any more thoughts of how you think about this. And I'm going to put words in your mouth, so correct me here, okay? But it kind of sounded sure. like you said you're a teacher and you're in the business of helping people gain enough confidence that where they're going to – that the choices they're making, the investments they're making are actually going to lead to success. Did I would – you, would you say that differently? No, that's right. That's right. And And the way to summarize that is what's interesting is – Product teams are not generally responsible for revenue, which is very, very, very strange if you think about it. And of course, we're not saying, you know, product teams should wake up and have quarterly numbers to hit. That is the responsibility of your sales. But generally what we see is that product teams are building products. And if the products don't work, then they start to blame the sales team. And if the sales team can't sell the product, then they start to blame the product team. And this just creates, you know, enormous dysfunction at companies. Um, and if if your company is is Apple and you're just like your products are flying off the shelves, you know more power to you. Great. Most companies are not like that. They're struggling to accelerate their growth. And what we try and do is teach that product team to really think about revenue too, so that your roadmap is connected directly to your revenue acceleration and growth, and that leads to equity returns. Right. We work with private equity backed companies, and you know. The good thing about them is they're just focused on one thing is creating equity returns. And the you know, as you know, you're in the business. The key drivers for equity returns, you can either um, use debt to create equity returns if you have a constant growth rate and you can buy it at a low multiple and sell it high. You can you can have low multiple acquisition and higher multiple expansion if you happen to be in a good capital market like we are, where you know multiple expansion is real. But the key driver, the key driver of equity value is growth. You know, even Warren Buffett, who you mentioned, has said this, you know, growth and value are tied at the hip. So that's what product teams 
are responsible for is building a product that will fly off the shelves. Your sales team can sell it, you know, with their eyes closed because people really want it. They actually want the product. And that's what you want to get to. And so we really try and help build that confidence that when a product team is looking at their roadmap, they can say, yes, this is going to take our growth rate from 10% to 20% or 30 or 40 or whatever, um, because they have confidence that they're solving real problems for their customers and their customers are willing to play for the solutions. You know, it is such a holy grail, right, to – to and feel free to disagree with me here but i guess i would define it maybe as like accomplishing the jobs to be done in like to steal some of your words like accurately <laughs> with good speed good accuracy and a good price and for that to be different than the competition like in a way that's hard for them to copy you or for hard to commoditize you that feels kind of like the holy grail why do you think so few achieve it well, that's a that's probably a, a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> that's a big question. And I, I think, honestly, if you want my answer in short, it's just the nature of this is not a normal thing. It's not normal from an evolutionary perspective. What, the, the world that we live in is incredibly bizarre. <laughs> Humans didn't evolve in a world with a global connected network and, you know, $86 trillion economy. <laughs> that that happened literally yesterday in evolutionary terms. So, yes, you know, humans evolved to be tool builders, you know, of course, but on this kind of scale of connecting other humans and working together in these larger teams, it's just not a normal thing. The human brain design was not evolved to to generate capital and investment returns you know it's a very very recent phenomenon so that's a much bigger discussion but what we see practically at companies is change is very 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 hard. and that's because most companies are successful with just a few things even if if you if you look at google for example google has one product They've been successful, really, really successful with one product, search and AdWords, which go together. Um, you know, it's something like almost 90% of their profits come from, you know, search and AdWords. If you Google the phrase Google Graveyard, it's unbelievable how many failed products they have launched. I mean, it's just remarkable for a company that has a $2 trillion mark cap. They're essentially a very, very bad investor. Right? They they cannot figure out a second product that's even remotely close to AdWords. Now, more power to them, right? But it just proves that doing this successfully again and again and again is extremely difficult. And even look at you know venture investors; it's extremely hard to be very successful in venture again. And it's it's really hard to be successful consistent. And that that is what I really liked about Jossie Dunn is it's a way of trying to generate that kind of consistent success. And as you you know mentioned in the first half of this, it's not one aha moment. It's not, oh, you know, we need to create the iPhone. It is, it's a, it's working the problem for your customers over and over and over and over again. It's a lot to think about. You know, this is obviously a passion for you. You've built your life around, you've built your life around it. When you think about the people who think they understand this from the people who generally understand it at the deepest levels, what do you see the differences there? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I would what it comes down to is can you present what you think your customer's job is, what problem you're trying to solve for them in in great detail so it, it really, you know, gets to all the elements of the problem you're trying to solve. And can you do it in plain English without mentioning jobs theory or jobs theory at all? So if I showed you, and you can see this in our ebook, which you can get download at you know, thrv.com, um, if I showed you the job of getting to a destination on time, I could explain that to you and, and anybody. We've been doing this for years. And you could say, oh, yeah, that's what it takes to get to a destination on time. Or I could show you the job of you know, LPs investing in a private equity fund. Um, now, in, in the private equity fund version, you have to know something about investments to understand the language, right? If you're looking at restoring artery blood flow, you have to know something about cardiovascular systems to understand the language, which is why we use get to a destination on time. But in any market, if you can't explain the customer's job in just plain English, it with correct grammar, with verbs and objects, I know this seems very, you know, <laughs> fundamental and rudimentary, but if you can't explain it and articulate it, very simply, then you probably don't have a good handle on what your customers are really trying to get done. And that, I think, is what differentiates people. Can you speak in plain English to describe what your customers are struggling with? That's the, that's the key. Why do you think it's so difficult for people to do that? English is hard. Language is very, very hard. And it's not math. We can all agree, you know, two plus two equals four. But Terry Eagleton, a very famous literary critic, put it wonderfully. He had an example. He said, you, if you come to an escalator, I think he, he's British, and so I think this escalator was in the UK. You come to an escalator, and there's a sign, and the sign says, dogs must be carried on the escalator. Well, that's English. You could look at that two ways, and both are accurate. You could think, if I have a dog... I must uh, carry it on this escalator. But you could also read that to mean I cannot get on this escalator unless I am carrying a dog, <laughs> right? And that's a very mundane example. But this is what we see product teams do all the time. You and I could sit here and have this debate about whether it's if I have a dog, I need to carry it on the escalator or I cannot get on the escalator if I'm, unless I'm carrying a dog and have this debate vehemently and passionately and people emotionally get connected to their viewpoint. And this causes enormous amounts of stress and struggle. Obviously, you know, companies are not talking about dogs on escalators, but it has that kind of impact. So we could spend all day arguing, is the job to get to a destination on time or is the job to go from point A to point B? So we, we try and help teams, and this is one of the things that when we work with companies, we're, we're kind of trying to be a third-party mediator. And we're saying, well, let's work this problem together. And are we focused on the right disagreements? Does it matter if the job is get to a destination on time or the job is go from point A to point B, right? Let's focus on what your customers think. And then ultimately, the customer is what's going to resolve those debates because you want to go talk to them. And if everybody says it's get to the destination on time, it's not go to point A, point B, we'll use that language, right? Because that's what your customers are thinking of. I'll give you a good example of this. We work with companies that target SMBs all the time. And, you know, a lot of product teams are very smart and they have MBAs. And so they'll talk to SMBs and they'll use the word channel, as you know, to describe marketing channels, which is very MBA speak. 
if you talk to SMBs and you use the word channel, they think you're talking about their television set, <laughs> right? They don't use sophisticated MBA speak to think about acquiring their customers. You know, maybe they do if there's a bunch of MBAs and a marketing team at a large company, but but normal people don't speak like that. <laughs> so we we always go back to the customer and their language, and that's the key. And we even talk about product roadmaps this way. When we ask companies, you know, how do you productize your road? Generally, it's referred to as the hippo, the highest paid person's opinion. You know, if you're <laughs> Jeff Bezos, he's going to tell you what to do, and that's how you prioritize your roadmap. And we always say that's a totally terrible way to do it. Your customers should prioritize your roadmap. Their struggles are what you should prioritize. It doesn't matter what you know Jeff Bezos thinks. And you can prove this, right? He wanted to launch the Amazon Fire Phone. And his team said, this is nuts. Why are we building this thing? And well, because Jeff Bezos wants to build it. He, you're going to build it. And it was a huge failure, right? Because they didn't listen to customers. I assume you don't own a Zam Amazon Fire Phone, I, just like you I don't do own not. a Zune, because no one does. But it was a product they launched. <laughs> you know, it didn't work. So ultimately, it comes back to the customer. Yeah. Uh, I. Uh, it sounds so simple, but I, I think it's a lesson, at least I, I can't hear that lesson enough times. It's a reminder that I, I need all the time. Listen, this has been great. Where are the best places for people to connect with you online? Yeah, sure. THRV.com. You can reach us at thrive.com. And I'm Jay Haynes. That's J-A-Y-H-A-Y-N-E-S. You can find me uh, on LinkedIn and reach out. And you know we're on some social media on Twitter too. You can find us there at Thrive App. And yeah, we're, we're pretty easy to reach. So anybody wants to learn more and, you know, we have a free course on all this too. So if anybody really wants to dive into the details. Is that just on the um, website or where, what tab is yeah, it? Yeah, at thrv.com. You can access it directly. Just from, like on from a resources tab or something where. Yeah. Yeah. It's all over. There's a whole training page about training. Okay. You can sign up for that. I'm going to go check that out. Of course. Hey, thanks for doing this. Yeah, Jess, thanks very much. It's great. Great to be here. Oh, great. Thanks everybody. Bye.